Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's wonderful to see you again this morning. As you can see, I, I don't want to be disrespectful or anything like this, but as you can see, I'm wearing a throwback to one of our church camps, the one building community where we had our guest speaker, Pastor Roy from Alawa Community Church, come and share the word with us and talking about building community within the body of Christ, within the family of God. And this is a bit of a throwback to that because that is who our speaker is today. Pastor Roy, thank you so much for taking the time to share the word with us this morning. So for those of us here at GCC who don't know you, uh, could you share a little bit about yourself? Uh, what's your name and, and what do you do? Well, good morning. And, and look, it's, for me, it's a, it's a real honor, real privilege to, to be here sharing um, from God's word with another church. Uh, I was thinking about this. Uh, Joe, Pastor Joe and I um, literally go back 20 plus years now. Um, and so whenever I hear from Joe or he uh, extends an invitation to, to speak or, or, or whatever, um, I'll always jump at the opportunity. So it's a real, real pl- privilege um, to be with you guys this morning. My name's Roy Gomez. Uh, I'm the pastor of Alawa Community Church, which is over uh, in the, the Hurstville area, so the, the southern part of, of Sydney, um, married to Maru. And we have two kids, uh, Toby, who's now 17, and, uh, and Mia, who's, who's now 10. Cool, brother. Thank you so much for that. Um, I guess the next question is then, with all of this stuff that has been taking place in Sydney, how has your church community adjusted to this whole COVID crisis thing? Well, I think I'd say how things have been going, probably very similar to how uh, they've been going with um, with many other churches, maybe even the same with you guys, where um, it's been a, a yeah a really kind of a steep learning curve. Um, we weren't really doing kind of anything online at all. We weren't uploading you know any sermons or video, none of that kind of stuff. So we had to um, learn how to do a lot of that stuff very quickly. Um, I think in the most part, um, we've we've seen the majority of our church still engaged uh, watching online and and you know sending encouraging messages and and generally looking forward to the time when we can come back and gather again and with with what's going on at the moment we've ex- extended that probably through to um, September perhaps but uh, yeah probably like a lot of people a little bit um you know zoom fatigue online fatigue uh, we, we, we long for the day where, you know, we can fellowship together and do communion together because our, our church would usually do that every week. Um, yeah, but really looking forward to, you know, the day we can, we can gather as God's people once again. Thank you. Thanks for that, bro. My last question is then, through all of this that's been going on, what has God been teaching you specifically, either as a dad or as a husband, as a pastor, um, as his child through all of this that has been happening? What has God been teaching me personally? Well, um, we're going through a few uh, family-related issues and, you know, a child who's um, in his teenage years now and, and, uh, and really wrestling with... Um, his faith and 
uh, with us, you know, and uh, so we're, we're learning, or, you know, I, as a father, I guess, learning very, um, very specifically to, to lean into um, God's word. And especially now the parts where, where it talks about God's father heart and, you know, stories like the prodigal son and uh, just the love and the patience and the always readiness and willingness to to have you know and, and to wait for your son with open arms even sometimes when 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 they don't want it or doesn't seem like they do um, constantly being reminded of just how much grace and patience um, God my father has with me and has had over so many years and then really just allowing for um, the way the gospel has transformed me to then extend that same, you know, love, grace, forgiveness um, to my own children, specifically right now to my son. Um, yeah, so if, if, you know, if any of you ever do think to um, re- remember us at all in your prayers, I'd, I'd cover your prayers with that specifically, um, you know, that, that God would really grab a hold of, of, of our son at the moment who's, um, yeah, just going through a little difficult t- time of, um, of really wanting nothing, nothing to do with, with God or, or with us at the moment, to be, to be very honest. So, um, yeah, that's something God's teaching us very specifically right now. Thanks very much for that, Roy. I really appreciate your honesty regarding those answers. And I'm looking forward to what God has to share with us as a church family from you there at Alawa Community Church. So with that, bro, let me pray for you as you bring the word to us this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Pastor Roy. I thank you for his wife, Maru, and for their kids. I thank you for his ministry at Alawa Community Church and pray you will continue to bless him over there and they'll continue to make an impact for the kingdom of God as he serves you faithfully in the position that you have granted to him. So we commit him into your hands now. May you anoint him by your spirit. May he be your mouthpiece and minister to our hearts. And may our hearts be sensitive to the word that goes forth now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks very much, Pastor Roy. Look forward to what God has to share with us today. Over to you. Well, it is such a privilege to be um, sharing from God's word with you all. And, And the passage that I landed on was this one here in the Gospel of John, chapter 17. I want to read John chapter 17 from verses 9 to 21. I'm really just going to focus in on a couple of those verses, but let me read uh, just this passage there, um, also known as Jesus's um, high priestly prayer, you know, Jesus praying for his disciples. So I want to start there in verse 9, though. So please follow along in your Bibles, John chapter 17, verse 9. And God's word says this, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. 
But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. If you have spent really any amount of time around Christians or you've been part of the church for long enough, you, you would have had someone say something like this to you. Um, maybe you've shared something with them about yourself and they've said, um, look, I'm going to be praying for you or I'll pray for that. And and it's really nice when someone says that and you want to you believe and you want to hope that they will actually go ahead and, and pray for you. But now it's kind of a little bit different, isn't it? When someone comes up to you and says, hey, I actually, I actually prayed for you today. I prayed for you today. It almost feels just a little bit more genuine, doesn't it? And, and perhaps even more special than that is when they tell you specifically what they've been praying for you. I mean, um, we're our family personally, we're going through a bit of a difficult time right now with our, with our teenage son. Um, and a dear, dear friend of ours, actually, I'd say he's more than a friend. He's more like a spiritual father. Um, he, he let me know not too long ago. He actually said, Roy, um, I'm going to commit to praying for you and, and for your son every single day. And then probably every fortnight or so, he'll send me a text message just to reminding me, Roy, I'm very specifically praying for you continuously, constantly. And, and he tells me specifically what those prayers are. And you know how encouraging that is to know that even for a moment, you know, he's, he had me on his heart, on his mind, and he's, he was taking me into the throne room of God through his prayers. But now, as special as it is, it is, as special as it is to have friends like that praying for you, what if it was Jesus who was the one telling you, hey, I, I prayed for you and, and I will pray for you and, and you can continue to count on my prayers. Imagine having Jesus himself as the one taking you directly into the throne room of God through his prayers. You know how special that would be? And, and I guess the, the amazing thing is, the good news is, we, we don't have to imagine how special that would be because, because that seems to be exactly what Jesus is doing here in these verses. Praying for us. Yes, he's very specifically in that moment praying for his 12 disciples, but did you notice what he says there in verse 20? In verse 20 he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me, through their word. Can you see the implication here? How good is that? 
right? That, that all of us, even today in 2020, whether it's disciples over there in Castle Hill or disciples of us over in Aloha, we are included in this prayer of his. And here we see very specifically what he prays for us. And I believe through this prayer, we're going to get a glimpse into what it is he most desires of us as we seek to be his followers in this world. And perhaps put simply, we're going to see he desires that we, we actually that we remain in this world. He prays for that, that we, we wouldn't be taken out of the world. Because there's going to be a reason he wants to keep us here. But then also, he will pray that even though we remain in this world, that we would live as if we weren't part of this world. And these two, these two prayer points is kind of what I, I want to try and unpack for us very briefly this morning. So look there firstly. I want, I want us to first look at verse 15 again. And notice he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Full disclosure here. Full disclosure here. You know, um, Satan, the evil one, the devil. Uh, we believe he is a real being. Okay, just not uh, the figment of our imagination or someone that, that we kind of um, have, have come up with to blame for all the bad things we've done, all the bad things in the world. No, he is real and he's dangerous and he hates Christians. He always has, he always will. And in the Bible, he's described as a roaring lion prowling around seeking someone to devour. He, in the Bible, he's described as like the, the prince or the ruler of, of this earthly, worldly domain. And so, yes. We desperately need Jesus' prayer of protection from the evil one, from Satan. But notice that Jesus doesn't want to protect us by removing us or taking us out of the world. No, he very intentionally leaves us in the world. He wants us to remain here. And this is where perhaps many Christians throughout even the history of the church, and even with good intentions though, but have perhaps misunderstood Jesus' mission in this world and how vital you and I, you and I are in, in his mission. For a second, just, just think of the early Christian monks, right, that perhaps you've, you've read about, who with good intentions secluded themselves from society, went out to live in the wilderness on their own, basically in order to withdraw from the world and the goal of withdrawing from the world was so that they wouldn't look like the world or conform to the world or give in to the temptations that this world has to offer us and so through very basic living standards and some rigorous self-discipline their desire was to please god to remain as pure as they could be and so you can see that the intentions were good it's just that being removed from the world doesn't seem to be how Jesus wanted them to live. Why? Why? Well, I think Jesus tells us why. He tells us there, for example, in verse 21, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So that the world may believe that you have, have sent me. There's, there's, there's a very important reason why Jesus wants us to remain here, because there are some who are still yet to believe in Christ. Think about this. How else can the world see and observe just how radically the gospel transforms people if there's no Christians around to show them? 
You remember earlier, chapter 13 of the Gospel of John, Jesus says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. See, see the implication here? This implies the everyone there is observing the love that disciples have for one another. And the thing is, my, my wife and I, we were kind of you know, talking about this recently, and we came to the realization that we came to the realization that if we didn't have um, the church, our church right now, I don't know if we'd have any friends to hang out with, right? And even then, our friends outside of church seem to be, they, they're all Christians. Now, I know that's not a bad thing. I just think it highlights the fact that we're not necessarily, we're not necessarily going out like those monks, secluding ourselves from the world, but we're not really far off, are we? See, there aren't many unbelievers, in, in, at least in our lives right now, who we are actively and intentionally modeling Christ to, modeling the gospel to. Which is why, which is why I love seeing new Christians come to faith. I love seeing new Christians come. Because they, they haven't, like, in a sense, been indoctrinated by us christian people just yet, Right? You are indoctrinated to spend so much time doing church stuff that you end up losing those connections with the unbelieving friends. And, and look, I have, a, I have a guy in our church right now. He's just a young believer, but in so many ways, he's, he's teaching me about this every single week, pretty much every week at our Bible study. He has a story of some gospel interaction that he's had either at work or at the gym. Uh, this, this guy, he's... Um, He's a big, he's a big muscly guy. He's a Maori background. What's interesting, a bit funny, his uh, big muscly Maori. His name's China. His name is actually China. I'm not even, I'm not even joking. Um, this guy China. He's in construction. He's around tradies every day, and he goes to the gym every. And he, he loves it. He loves meeting people so he can bring them to church. Obviously, back when you could bring people to church. But look, I can think not too long ago, he brought um, an Irish backpacker, you know, who was doing a, a short stint at, at China's construction site. Um, he, he's been bringing along to our Bible study another kind of big, uh, muscly guy who's, who goes down to Melbourne to compete in those Arnold Schwarzenegger classics. Um, I just think to myself, I think to myself, imagine if China decided to change jobs because those tradies were just too filthy and he didn't want to be around that, right? Or, or imagine if he decided to, to start working out, out at home because, you know, gym, gyms are where all the sinful people go. I just imagine all those lost opportunities for gospel witness that would have never have taken place. And so with someone like China or for us disciples... Jesus prays, yes, Father, protect them from the evil one, but please, I ask that you wouldn't take them out of the world. Because if he hasn't decided, if God hasn't decided that it's our time yet, he hasn't taken us home just yet, well, it's because, it's because there's still work for us to do here. You see, there are unbelievers in your life right now, family members, work colleagues, some of them numbered among the chosen. Some of them, as Jesus kind of says in this passage, some of them who God has given to him, who 
as Jesus put it, will believe in him through your word. They will believe in him through your word. So there's work for us to do yet. That's why Jesus doesn't want to take us out just yet, because there is work for us to do. So that's the first thing Jesus prays for them. And now the second thing is actually connected to this, though. Right? Just, so then, just so we don't think that, okay, since Jesus wants us to remain in the world, since we are in the world, hey, maybe we get a free pass to behave like the world. And so Jesus makes sure then to pray something very specific. Jesus prays for our holiness. For our holiness. Look there in verse 17. Jesus says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. He is praying for our sanctification. In other words, he's praying for our holiness. Now, before we get too concerned about this kind of living up to, to the standard of holiness, because I know it can, it can sometimes have a negative connotation. I mean, my own, my own son will sometimes say something like this to me. Oh, you think you're so holy, don't you? But just don't think about holiness in that kind of negative sense, just for a moment. You see, that word there for sanctify it actually, it's, it's quite a simple word to understand. For something to be sanctified, and I'm sure you've heard this hundreds of times about sanctify, holiness, sanctification. It really just means to be set apart for a particular purpose. Let me try to break this down. Think about this for a second. We, we, all, we all of us, we are sanctifying things all the time. We sanctify things all the time. I mean, for example... Every morning, I'm sanctifying quite a few things just to get me as my daughter, just to get her breakfast ready, right? For example, I'll grab a bowl from amongst all the other bowls and I'll set it apart while I go and grab the cereal, I go and grab the milk and I sanctify, I have sanctified that bowl for her breakfast. That's what it will sit apart for. On, usually on Saturday evenings, I'll grab a shirt from amongst all the other shirts um, in order to set it apart to use for church in the morning for that very specific particular purpose. If you give money into the offering every week, you are sanctifying that money. You are setting it apart for a specific use. That, that's what it means to be sanctified. And so therefore, I believe Jesus has something similar in mind for us. Belonging to Jesus means that we have been set apart from everyone else in the world for a very specific purpose. And that's to be Christ's representatives in this world, to continue on that mission that he began of making disciples. But now the question remains, okay, that's what we have been set apart for. The question remains, so how are we sanctified? How are we set apart from everyone else? How do we not conform to the pattern of this world? I mean, the examples we gave earlier, well, that, that, that's easy. You know, you can pick up a bowl, set that apart. You can grab a shirt, set that up. You can give some money. That's, that's easy. But how about with us? Well, Jesus tells us, doesn't he? Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. What separates us from the world is that we believe that God's word, the scriptures, we believe they are true. 
And therefore, we are seeking to live by it. We are seeking to... This is how it was with the Jews, even back in Moses' time. Remember, we, we, we often think that the reason God gave them all of these laws was in order to keep them in line, when really the purpose of the law was to set them apart from all the other nations, so that the world and the, and the nations around them could see what their God was really like. All the laws of the Old Testament, they are really just a reflection of the attributes of God. Think about this for a moment. Do not kill. Do not kill. Why? Because God is a life-giving God. Do not lie. Because God is the God of truth. Do not commit adultery. Because God is a covenant-keeping God who remains faithful always. Do not steal. Because God is a generous God who provides all of our needs. So we could, we could go on and on going through all of the laws and how they point to the character of God. And now today, though, today, right, in Christ and in the new covenant, although we don't follow the laws in the same way as the Jews did, God still expects his word the truth to be what separates us from the world. And, and, and I think of just a few, let me just think of a few examples from the New Testament. Some examples here that, that on the one hand characterize the world around us, but then also show us what living radically differently looks like. For example, the world, the world approves, doesn't it, of all forms of sexual morality. And yet God's truth tells us to flee, flee from all sexual immorality. God's word tells us to, to not love money as the world does instead to store up treasures in heaven. Do not take revenge or repay evil for evil. Instead, man, Jesus tells us something radically different. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You see, the more and more that you conform to God's truth, the less and less you will conform to the world's lies. Given the cultural the current cultural climate that, that we're living right now, it's, it's almost like Jesus' prayer for us here is, 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 so, is more urgent, more needed than ever, even within the church. Even within the church. Churches, whole denominations are giving in to the world's interpretation of God's truth. Think about what's going on with the definition of marriage that I'm sure you guys have, have been thinking about and talking a lot about as all churches have recently, right? Where the world is saying, look, we're so enlightened now. We're so progressive now. And so the Bible can't mean what it says. The world has moved on. And so the, the church must move on if it is to remain relevant at all. I don't know if you saw um, that TV show that was on SBS um, last year. It was called Christians Just Like Us. The one that was kind of like Big Brother, but, but for Christians. Perhaps one of the clearest examples that you will see of, of, of so-called Christians who have sold out and conformed to the world and its standards. No longer sanctified, no longer set apart because of the truth they hold on to. Instead, instead if, you, if you saw the show, the way that some of them were talking and, and the way that, that, that some of them, you know, um, their life, their, even their own lifestyles, whether it was around same sex, sex or whether it was around the issue of abortion even. Some of the things that they were saying, some of the things that they do sounded 
and, and looked like just what you'd hear or see from the world around us. Thankfully, though, they did have a, a couple of those in the house, right, who did represent God and his word faithfully. A couple of those there who were willing to be even set apart, even from a group of Christians, sadly. Man, I'll end with, with this story that, that really hit home um, a while back. And um, it's, it's from a, a post I, I read on, on Facebook. And, and uh, look, you can't believe everything you, that, that you read on Facebook. So I can't really speak to, the, to how um, genuine this story. It makes for a good illustration, at least. So um, disclaimer. But the story is told, right, of, of a man who was a soldier, in the army of Alexander the Great. And this soldier also just happened to have the name Alexander. His name was Alexander. And this soldier was accused of some cowardly actions. Uh, He was accused of deserting his post during battle. And so then he finds himself, this soldier finds himself standing before Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great asks this soldier what his name was. The soldier replies, my name is Alexander. And we don't know, maybe in the back of his mind, he's hoping for a more lenient sentence because he shared the same name as that great commander. But the story goes that when Alexander the Great heard that his name was also Alexander, he leaps out of his chair, charges towards the soldier, shakes him violently and shouted in his face, either change your conduct or change your name. Either change your conduct or change your name. If if you have been calling yourself a Christian, but you don't flee from all forms of sexual immorality, or change your conduct, or perhaps it's time that you change your name and stop calling yourself a Christian. If you've been calling yourself a Christian, and, but you're not totally honest when it comes to, to your income, especially around tax time, or change your conduct, perhaps you need to stop calling yourself a Christian, change your name. If you've been calling yourself a Christian and yet you seem to continually just hold grudges and seek revenge and you're prone to repay evil for evil, change your conduct or change your name because that's simply, that's simply just not who we are in the more. Because in the gospel, in the gospel we are forgiven, we are sanctified, we we are made pure, clean, whole. We've been given the name of Christ and we are Christians. We are, we are small, lower sea Christs scattered around the globe, called to faithfully represent him to others. And this is what Jesus prayed for, isn't it? He prayed that we would remain in this world to pursue holiness and sanctification so that others still left in the world, those around us, family members, work colleagues, who are observing our lives, that they may be drawn in to Christ and perhaps one day believe. Thank you very much for that, Pastor Roy. It is a great blessing to have you share the word with us today. 
And I pray that, once again, it will not just be words, but rather things that will impress our hearts so much that we would not only be challenged, but changed as the Spirit of God takes the word and ministers to each of our hearts. So that is our service for today. Brothers and sisters, we do have a Zoom meeting taking place. After this, if you would like to gather and to be prayed for or to to sit down and, and, and talk about the word that Pastor Roy brought with us, brought to us this morning, it would be great to see you, even if it's just going to catch up and say hello and how things are. So God bless. Take care. If I don't see you at the Zoom meeting, I will see you next week. Keep representing, brothers and sisters. Keep standing strong. Keep proclaiming the Lord Jesus.